Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecallendershow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I have uh, some takeaways from Iowa uh, radio host Steve Dace. I'll get to that. Um, also, calling it early. All of the media outlets last night called the race for Trump within like the first 35 minutes. People were still giving speeches. This isn't like... A, like the polls open and everybody goes up and you have like, you know, 12 hours to vote. It's not like that. Polls open, people start making speeches, trying to sway voters and stuff. But all of these media outlets had done entrance interviews, not exit interviews, but entrance interviews. So they talk to people on the way in. And then... They tally up all of the responses. Oh, who are you caucusing for? Who, who are you going to vote for? Who are you going to vote for? And then they, they tally that up, and then they projected the winners. Well, the whole point of a caucus is that you go in and you try to persuade people in the caucus event itself so people can change their votes, change their minds in the caucus. But what the media did, so the AP, they called the race at 831, CNN called it at 8.33, New York Times, 8.37, Fox, 8.39, USA Today, 8.39. And I'm old enough to remember when calling a race for a candidate, particularly in the state of Arizona, was proof of corruption. Why would you call this is and this is not an indictment on Trump. This is on this is on the media outlets. There is no good reason to have called these races, would it have changed the outcome? No, I don't believe it would have changed the outcome. Trump had twice as many votes as uh, as the second-place finisher DeSantis last night. No, it wouldn't have changed that, that outcome. Much. It could have had an impact on second and third place. People leave. There are. I've, I've seen the interviews with people who are like, Oh, yeah, when I'm standing in line to vote or oh, I'm listening to speeches and all of a sudden everybody's phones start going off that the uh, that that the caucus is called. Trump's the winner. Well, then what what, what am I doing here? I'm going to go home. There's no point in hanging around. You already won. They had a 15 percent turnout, by the way, 110,000 votes out of 752,000 Republican registered voters that could have participated. 110,000 did. 15% turnout. See, this is why I reject these, this, this demand that, oh, everybody just needs to get out make it, and just make it, you know, Trump versus Biden again. I've called this the geriatric rematch. I would very much like to avoid it <laughs> because I would very much like to have somebody else of another generation in there. And yes, it does matter who the somebody else is. I would not be happy if it's Nikki Haley. <laughs> I would not. But uh, the rumor is she's going to get named as Trump's Veep, so uh, might lose on that one, too. It'd be a twofer for me. Kathy, welcome to the program. Hello, Kathy. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? 
Well, I want to say, first of all, I really enjoy your show and listen to you. Thank you. Um, it, I'm in Rock Hill, and uh, I agree about calling on the race long before it's over. I think that's just unethical. But I do believe that uh, some of the outlets do that intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know they want him to win. But uh, it was amazing. I found out today on the way to, to pick up my grandson that... Um, so now we've got uh, measles coming into the United States. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so it was like, oh, okay, now now how, how are Biden going to handle that? But um, I had heard a caller earlier discuss about uh, how much we really just need to push what was in these bills and how much was spent. And, um, you know, I mean, there's just so much that we could say against the Democrats and Biden mm-hmm. that, Right. And see, that's why I think there's a really big problem for Biden trying to run on his record against somebody who's not Trump, because if it's someone who's not Trump, then Biden's record is front and center. If it's Trump, then Trump's record is also front and center. You know, you got to try to you have to if if, let's say it's um, let's say it's Nikki Haley. Right. The 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 Biden uh, campaign is going to have to try to create in the minds of uh, the citizens this whole caricature of Nikki Haley, right? They're going to have to try to figure out a way to damage her. And that that's a that's a process of, you know, taking a swing at something, see if it connects, you know, you're going to test a, a narrative, test an attack, see if it gains traction. All, like all of that stuff is just art more than science. But with Trump, they already know that these attacks work, particularly for uh, specific demographics of voters, because they believe. And again, you can disagree with this and maybe Republicans disagree with this, that that it was effective. But the Democrats believe that they have the playbook and they've been using it for the last four years. They used it in 22 as well. And so I think they've shot themselves in the foot, though, because so many of these people, when you say that, hey, the economy is getting better and every race can see, especially those who are, uh, you know, less financially secure, that it's not working for them. So the more he says it, the more insulted I think they should be. And I believe some of them are. Right. That's a big, right. It's a huge lift. And so you're going to say, okay, we're going to turn this around. We're going to turn it. So if he's, if I'm Joe Biden, right, I'm making the pitch to those voters that know firsthand, like you said, like they see their grocery bill. They know the cost of things. You can't, no matter how much smoke you want to blow at them, they they know. We know. We know what the price of things are. We know how expensive stuff has gotten. We know about the inflation. And regarding the, the well, so before I get to the measles part, but the, so we, we all know what the cost of this stuff is. And Biden's going to try to say, it's it's getting better. Stick with us. It's getting better. It's getting better. It's getting better. Oh, and by the way, this guy over here, literally Hitler and he's going to turn the country into uh, an authoritarian dictatorship. And, uh, oh, also, he's a rapist. Um, he's also, um, you know, he's in bed with the Russians. And, like, all of these other arguments that they made prior, they'll keep making. And they, like I said, right. they believe that these were effective lines of attack. So they don't even have you know, to do any kind of new research. What I've seriously concerned, wondered if they couldn't afford to take out some major billboards in these cities that like when you're going into Atlanta or, you know, these blue demographic areas, um, on the major interstates go, here's part of the, um, green new deal and show 
the horrid parts of it, you know, mm-hmm. which was most of it, and it wasn't a Green New Deal. Well, that that sounds like it's a bit. Yeah, that that would be a uh, um, that would be an oversight probably by the RNC, <laughs> which is not a surprise. Hi. Kathy, I appreciate the call. Um, Viva Rock Vegas, by the way. Um, <laughs> I lived in Rock Hill for seven years, a couple different places. I was I was getting practice for uh, the the radio life. Um, on the measles question, here's another concern I have, and I mentioned this in the first hour. Donald Trump oversaw Operation Warp Speed. He's the guy who, you know, elevated Fauci to be the spokesperson and get, pr- trotted him out there at the press conferences, gave him the, like, the Congressional Medal of Freedom, or not Congressional, but the Presidential Medal of some kind, right? Gave him this medal. Still to this day, Trump touts his success with the vaccines. He says he saved millions of lives. Donald Trump claims credit for that. Joe Biden also, right, claims credit for the rollout of the vaccines. Because remember, we didn't get them rolled out until after Trump was out. And there was quite a bit of uh, uh, speculation at the time as to whether or not it got slow rolled in order to deprive Donald Trump of the halo effect for saving all of the people's lives with the vaccine, right? So that rolled out under Biden. So he claims credit for it, too. What happens now? You get an outbreak of measles, maybe sweeping through certain areas of the country. And do we end up with another kind of COVID-related pandemic? How, how, do, how does, for example, how does Donald Trump, if he's the nominee, let's say it's closer to, this is after he's won the nomination, how does Donald Trump make an argument against the same sort of uh, protocols that he espoused and oversaw when he was president if Biden tries to do it? And then we end up with all the same voter cha- uh, voting law changes and such. That's, my, that's another one of my concerns. Do we end up seeing a replay? I'm seeing stories now. People are starting to mask up again. We're getting mask mandates coming back in different parts of the country. Are they trying to basically rerun the 2020 blueprint here? And and then do you have any kind of ability if you're out there saying, I did everything right during COVID, but we shouldn't do this right now for some other pandemic, measles or whatever? I don't know. This is what I mean. These are the questions I ask. These are my concerns. I haven't heard anybody adequately address them. And it's hypothetical to be sure. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hello, Jeff. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, you and Kathy have pretty much covered the uh, points I was going to make. So if you'll permit me, I'll just make an observation and then a comment. Will that be okay? Yeah, sure. Okay. My observation is you have a very good call screen. I'm very impressed with him. No, stop, stop, stop. Do not, do not be <laughs> inflating his ego. <laughs> well, he's anyway, going to ask for a raise. Uh, well, uh, that's his business. But when you do a good job, some people, you know, you ought to tell somebody. That's true. I My appreciate it. Is yeah, uh, they will have not have not have any problem whatsoever coming up with the venom for Nikki Haley. That won't be any problem whatsoever for the left. I mean, you know, the ones that are you know pro women and pro equality and all that stuff. Mm. Uh, they'll, they'll come down on her like a nest of snakes. So, well, they are a nest of snakes. Bad comment, but anyway. Well, I have no doubt, right, that any 
any Republican candidate, any Democrat candidate, right? They're going to take all sorts of attacks. Totally, un- I totally understand that. Uh, my, my only point was that they will have to do the research and do the focus groups, right? They'll have to test the messaging, find out if it works. All of that stuff is unknown, and they could end up finding some stuff that really is potent, but they might not. Whereas with or Donald it- Trump, you they already know what the playbook is. They've been running it for, you know, six years now. So they already know that. And, and, and they, and look, you look at their fundraising numbers, they, they believe it works. Well, true enough. But we also have the playbook of Joe Biden that, you know, Hey, things are getting better. And as Kathy said, you know, they're not really getting better. Yeah. Or they're getting somewhat better. At least they're not getting bad or worse right at the pace they were getting <laughs> right so, there right anyway. it's, it's not it's not yeah. right the pace has the pace of bad has slowed right <laughs> yeah. that's that's like uh they're only going to hit you in the in the head with a hammer two times instead of five you know? <laughs> right so. exactly jeff yeah. i appreciate the call sir all right do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe are you concerned it's going to reach our shores Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out several messages to get to let me do that now john says pete assuming terrorists are coming across the border are they waiting until the election to wage attacks hang on a second let me pull up my messages here from the terrorist cells i will oh no i'm sorry i I am not in contact with any of the terrorist cells (laughs) i don't know it's a concern I have no doubt they're here. Um, Terry says, Pete, I think we give the Democrats way too much credit for being smart. Some think they are pushing Trump to be the nominee because he will be easy to beat. What else are they doing that confirms how smart they are? Nada. They are delusional in all cases. Well, they have they, they have a plan. We know what the plan is. It is to pack the U.S. Supreme Court, right? So this way they can overturn all sorts of legislation and solidify a majority. And this is my, this is one of my uh, larger concerns. This from the Washington examiner. This was from uh, two weeks ago. The map for the U S Senate under democratic control by a small margin right now is actually very, very favorable to Republicans Democrats are defending seats in states that are likely to vote Republican for president no matter who the nominee is and regardless of whether Biden wins nationwide. Okay, so these are red states currently with Democrat senators. West Virginia went for uh, Trump by about 40 points in both of the last two election cycles. The same can be and Manchin is retiring. Right. Um. Same can be expected this coming November if he's the nominee. Manchin isn't running for re-election. But Governor Jim Justice, the national 
GOP's top Senate recruit in the state is a candidate for it. Montana is going to be a little bit more difficult with Senator John Tester, Democrat, polling better. But Republicans have managed to entice businessman Tim Sheehy, a former Navy SEAL, and their preferred Senate candidate into that race. Republicans have carried the state in every presidential election since 1992, and a Democratic White House nominee has not won a majority there. Even some of the longer shots point to the challenges ahead for Democrats. For example, in Ohio, Democrat Senator Sherrod Brown. He's won all three of his terms under favorable conditions. But 2006 and 2018, the years he was elected to his first and third terms, those were Democrat wave elections. In 2012, he was reelected, while then-President Obama was beating Mitt Romney in the Buckeye State. Trump carried Ohio twice with relative ease. But not every race will be easy. So those are three states that Republicans could pick up. Not every race is going to be easy. Carrie Lake, one of the GOP's disappointments from 22, after losing Arizona's gubernatorial race, is running for the Senate seat. Senator Bob Casey Jr. in Pennsylvania, he's a Democrat, he's a big name. Republicans in both contests may need to demonstrate their viability to attract big national money in order to beat him. In all, Democrats are defending more than twice as many Senate seats as Republicans are. The GOP needs to gain a net of two. Two seats to win back the majority. If a Republican uh, wins the White House with a Republican vice president, then they only need to win one of those seats. The House is more difficult terrain because the Republicans have a small majority and are defending more seats in districts won by Biden in 2020. So they have a lot more to defend now. The GOP in the lower chamber has been beset by intraparty feuds, you know, with the toppling of House speakers and such. However, the incumbent re-election rates are in excess of 90%. The House Republican majority cannot be counted out. If Biden remains weak, Republicans will win back some of the swing districts at the presidential level. All right? So don't know how it's going to shake out in the House, but the Senate, where the confirmations occur for the Supreme Court, right, the Senate is very much attainable. The very unpopularity of a Biden-Trump rematch threatens to lead to a plethora of third-party challenges with the potential, think RFK Jr., Jill Stein, right, libertarian candidate, with the potential for a highest percentage of the vote being won by a candidate other than the Democrat or Republican nominee since Ross Perot in 1992. Such a candidacy or candidacies can have an unpredictable effect on the general election. Political scientists disagree more than 30 years later about which party Ross Perot hurt more in 1992? Some exit polling suggesting he siphoned votes equally away from both. But we do know that much smaller third-party candidacies helped Trump eke out industrial swing state pluralities in 2016, and their relative absence in 2020 made it easier for Biden to win them back. Many of the candidates in the running already are pondering such bids And they are coming from the left and from the center. However, RFK Jr. could pull some from Trump's base. I have seen a lot of people say this. They're like, they like Trump, but they also like RFK Jr. Which is kind of weird to me because like he's been like the 
the COVID campaigner, the COVID candidate, and Trump was the warp speed candidate. Anyway, after more than eight years of controversies, now including two impeachments, the 2020 election loss, January 6th Capitol riot, four indictments across multiple jurisdictions, Trump is beating the Democrats in more polls than he did in either of the last two presidential elections. At the same time, he carries enormous risks as a nominee for November. And maybe that's really what this comes down to, is risk tolerance. Just like you have to decide this when you're doing your financial planning, you know, do you want to be more aggressive, more conservative, right? Your financial advisor is always trying to figure out where's your risk tolerance on this stuff. Compared to other top-tier Republican candidates, Trump draws, he's 77, he draws less of a contrast with the octogenarian Biden's age. And then there's the question of whether the general electorate will remain as forgiving of Trump's dire legal situation as Republican primary voters have been since the indictments began last year. Like, do you think the general election public, those voters, are they rallying around Trump with the indictments? Some independents as well as Democrat voters are less likely to see the various cases against him as election interference or otherwise see them as wholly unjustified. A single conviction then could shift the contours of the race. That is a huge unknown. And as long as the RNC is taking money to pay for Trump's legal bills, which I thought he was a billionaire, so I don't know why he needs the RNC's money, that means there's less money at the local levels, at the state levels, to win these Senate and House races. And so you end up in a scenario where the money gets siphoned off, it gets used to fight the legal bills. This is, I'm, I'm spelling out worst-case scenario. Even if Trump doesn't get convicted, the money gets siphoned out, he beats the rap, loses the election, and Republicans lose the House and the Senate. And then Democrats have a free hand to do what they have told us they want to do, which is to pack the courts. That's what they're going to do. That's my concern. And to me, that is a huge risk because that then, uh, that then alters the course of, of this nation's history. With a packed Supreme Court that rubber stamps all of the leftist ideology for decades to come. That's that, that, that that's a real fear of mine. Email from Ben Pete. Well, from Ben to Pete. Maybe they're banking on Trump going to jail and they want Nikki Haley to be president. Uh, that is the rumor. Actually, that's one of the rumors floating around D.C. is that this is their hedge. They're going to uh, th- they're going to bring over a bunch of Nikki Haley's donors in order to help fund the, the legal bills. Uh, for Trump. And then if he is convicted, he goes to jail and uh, the delegates go to her if it's before the election or um, and then she pardons him uh, or if he gets you know convicted after he's elected, uh, then she becomes president. And so the the swamp gets what it wants. That's that's the rumor. I, I don't have no I have no idea if it's true. I'm just telling you that's what's floating around out there. Oh, and by the way, I did see this. Uh, where was it here? New York Post. Some Donald Trump supporters said Sunday they would support his 2024 presidential rival, Vivek Ramaswamy, as his Veep pick. But Trump's top advisor all but nixed the notion. 
Trump aide Jason Miller told the New York Post that voters could probably rule out Ramaswamy as the ex-president's running mate, given that Trump unleashed his biggest attack on him the previous night. I don't know if that matters, actually, but um, Miller said, quote, it's pretty safe to say it won't be Vivek. When asked about the possibility of Nikki Haley, he said he'll let Trump speak about his decision. Haley has refused to officially decline a possible VP slot. Um, Trump has said he's already chosen his number two, but he has decided not to announce it yet. Rumors have swirled that he's possibly considering Haley, who's a uh, distant second to him and who uh, he has not publicly ruled out as a possibility. Um, Iowa voters attending a Trump event in Indianola on Sunday, uh, the day before the caucus, uh, many of them said they would trust whoever he put on the ticket. Mm-hmm. Let me get back to this thing about the uh, calling of the races of elections while people are voting. The, the Associated Press actually has a policy on this. It says, quote, AP will not call the winner of a race before all the polls in a jurisdiction are scheduled to close. Okay, so that's a very clear standard. If the polls, uh, the polling locations are open, they will not call the winner of a race. Because we don't know the impacts that it has on voters. So last night, they, they ignored their own standards, as did every other media outlet. Um, campaign manager for the DeSantis camp, James Uthmeyer, Uthmeyer, uh, called it an appalling decision of the corporate media to, to call the race before all the votes were cast. He said, quote, I personally spoke in multiple precincts, and while I'm presenting and delivering the closing argument for Ron DeSantis and actually flipping voters, people start getting alerts on their phones saying the race is over. One guy said, why do we even bother voting if it's already over? Jonah Goldberg from the Dispatch, he says, in my opinion, it was a massive mistake for these media outlets to call the race before voting was clearly done. I'm not saying it changed the basic contours of the results, though, but just incredibly myopic and misguided, given years of talk about media overreach, rigging, democracy. Right? As I said earlier, the early calls, I don't believe, would have changed Trump's win. It could have affected second place and third place. And that matters here, particularly in Iowa, because the delegates are allocated proportionally. Right. So if you're it could be the difference between two or three delegates that you pick up. Also, if these media outlets are doing it now, will they follow these guidelines later? How about in November? Are they going to start calling races again and suppressing turnout? giving people to win. All right. I'll uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.